Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. I believe we are live at this point. Uh, I'm going to check and see, and you guys come in. I see people starting to come in. I'm going to go ahead and start my uh, IG, so the IG people, you guys can go ahead and come in if you are there. Good morning, Jamie. I came on just about a minute early, so hopefully this will work. Good morning. Can you guys hear me just fine? Uh, let me know. I don't have sound on my end this morning, but if you can hear me, let me know. Good morning, Tasha, Natasha. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Mom, Mommy, Mother. Hey, St. Teresa. Good morning, Dexter. How are you, sir? Good morning to all the people who are coming on for IG. I see that that is working this morning. Good morning, Tabitha. Good morning, Clarissa. Good to see you too. Good to see everybody. Yeah, good to see people's names, even though we don't see their faces anymore as much, right? Amen. Okay, great, Dexter. You can hear me? Wonderful. Okay, great, great, great. Good morning, Crystal. Good morning, Vess. Glad you had safe travel the other week. Good morning, Valley. You and Chris did a, an amazing job. That mic setup looks great. Uh, I was imagining Chris in the studio recording an album. That's all I kept seeing when I saw that uh, fancy mic up there. Y'all sounded really great this morning. I appreciate uh, the excellence that you guys put into it. Good morning, Ralph. How you doing this morning? Um, praise God. So I'll give people just a, a, another few moments to come in. You know what we do when we first come in the room? We tap on the hearts. Good morning, Robert. Good to see you, sir. Tamara, how you doing, girl? Ain't seen you in a minute. Good to see that you're still in the land of the living, as the old folks say. Thanks, boo. I appreciate it. Good morning, Leslie. Listen, go ahead, tag the people who you normally tag, share to the groups you normally uh, share to. I'm excited about the word this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm praying that there's no technical difficulties. I believe we are streaming on uh, Facebook Live. We're on Instagram. Uh, I believe we're on Twitch this morning. So, uh, and maybe even Periscope. We'll see. Uh, but wherever you are watching this morning, we pray uh, God's blessing on your life. Uh, if you did not get a chance to join us for worship this morning, you absolutely missed out. <laughs> and I encourage you not to ever do that again. Join us at 930 every Sunday morning while we are quarantined uh, <laughs> at, with, at Christian Valley Worships. Her and uh, Elder Valley, they, he plays, she sings, and they just get us in the right frame of mind to receive the word. Uh, and it's so, it's, it's so great. Good morning, Kenosha. Uh, yeah, good morning to all the FOC friends and family. You know, this is, wow, week 19. Week 19 of uh, our establishment of FOCE Church. And the truth of the matter is, I'll be honest with you, I had no idea when we got started that this we, we make it 19 weeks doing this. I just didn't think it'd be that. Uh, but this is where we are. And praise God, as I said to many people before, the church is not closed. We just changed locations for where we were preaching the gospel, but the church has never closed. So this is week 19 of our quarantine, but praise God, we have just been going strong as we have been uh, since since the beginning of the year, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, I know that there are some churches that are, have made the decision this weekend 
at least in our area in Northwest Arkansas, uh, to resume having uh, in-person church. Uh, and I certainly do not, under any circumstances, uh, begrudge them for doing that. Uh, but everybody has to be led by the Lord. And I just haven't felt that the Lord has told us to, to resume that. Uh, some of that is due to our facility. You know, those of you who have visited us, we really have one major way in and one major way out. We do have another exit door that we don't typically use. Um, and, and it's just too close. It's just too close. Our numbers aren't good uh, in our area. Uh, and it's just, to me, it doesn't make sense to, pe to, to put people at risk. So uh, we're going to do exactly what we have been doing. Uh, and we're going to teach the word. We're going to receive the word. You're going to heart. You're going to comment. You're going to say amen. You're going to put your own thoughts in there. And, you know, let me tell you something. I appreciate that because I'm teaching this, this lesson, right? But when I go back and I get a chance to read the comments, uh, I am telling you that when I read those comments, there are things that you say that I go, oh, yeah. You know, and I go back and I add to my notes because at the end of the day, I'm not just teaching this for you. Uh, this is for me too. I've studied this. This is what I'm living. This is what I'm doing. Uh, and so when you add your comments, it just makes um, the, the entire uh, feeling more robust. So, so feel free to do that. Uh, I don't plan to be before you uh, a great deal of time this morning. So it is now 10.06. So I think everybody who's here is going to be here. And if not, uh, they'll come and they can watch the rest of this. And we're just going to get into today's word. Uh, today, I want to talk about the laws that govern harvest, the laws that govern harvest. And here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that it is yet a season of great harvest. In fact, I want you to know that because I was talking to uh, several of my friends uh, just on yesterday and last night, and I am telling you, God is still coming up with ways to increase us uh, that is different than we would have ever imagined. And he's doing it different ways for different people. And so you just need to be in the place where you are a place to, ready to receive this morning. Amen. So let's pray. And then I'm going to get right into the word. Father God, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We appreciate you for uh, having another day in the land of the living. We thank you that we are yet here, that we are clothed and in our right minds. We thank you, Father, that, that you are still on the throne. We thank you that, that, that you still reign supreme. And we thank you that every word you've ever spoken over our lives shall not return void. And so, Father, this morning, as we hear your word concerning harvest, we ask you to give us a heart and a mind to understand the purpose of harvest. Uh, we, give, we ask that you would give us a heart and mind to understand how to receive that harvest and then how to be great stewards of the harvest that you've already purposed for us. Father, we ask in your son Jesus' name that you do all of these things for us, and we will be so careful to make sure that we always give you the praise and give you the honor that is due your name. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so let's get started this morning. We want to talk about the law of the harvest. If you've been with me uh, the last several weeks, you know that we have spent some time talking about being a cheerful giver. And we've talked about God's system of promotion, and we've talked about being in a position to be led by God. All of those teachings, all of those uh, messages, they have they have been um, leading us down this path to what I want to talk about today. 
And I really want to talk about this idea of harvest because there are principles that govern harvest. And if you don't understand the principle, um, sometimes you can end up being frustrated at God or frustrated at the things of God because you really don't understand how things work. And so this morning, we want to get right into this teaching uh, about about the law of the harvest. God said that that 2020 was going to be a great year of harvest for us. Uh, and I've said to people uh, since he since he had us to make that declaration that there's no reason for us to be ashamed. And I love because this morning, if you heard Chris, when she was worshiping, she was singing, uh, I believe it was the second song she was singing. And one of the things he began to say in that song is that he will never let us down. He will never let us down. God never disappoints us. People may disappoint you. Friends and family may disappoint you, but God will never disappoint you. He will never let you down. And I was thinking about the scripture in Romans 10 and 11. And in Romans 10 and 11, it says this. It says, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. I am telling you that if you will continue to stand fast and stand firm and believe God for the harvest in this season, you will not be ashamed. The Bible says, whosoever, I am a whosoever, you are whosoever. It says, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. And so I'm telling you that this is a season and this is a time for you to be in a position and to hold firm to what God has promised you. And don't allow that thing to come and, and try to talk you out of what God has promised. This is not the season for us to give up, cave in, quit, or back up off what God has promised. I am telling you, you will not be ashamed if you hold on to the promises of God. You know, and then Chris began to sing the song and she said that we lay aside every agenda. In order to receive the harvest, you have to lay aside your agenda. You have to lay aside the way that you think God is going to do it. You have to lay aside your idea of when God is going to do it. And you just have to embrace that if God said this is your season of harvest, that that's good enough for you. That you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the answers before you believe. You don't have to be like Thomas. See, Thomas was, was a person who says, unless I can see the nail prints uh, in his hand, unless I can see the thorn uh, unless I can see the sword that was that was pierced in his side, unless I can put my, my fingers, unless I can touch it, he says, I will not believe. Thomas was a person that had, that had to have sense realm evidence in order to believe. I am begging you. I am deploring you. Do not be a Thomas. Do not be a person who has to see what God is going to do before you believe what God is going to do. He said, you will not be ashamed. And then, and then Chris was singing that song saying, hey, Lord, we, we, we lay aside our agenda. We lay aside our pride. And, and Pastor Ralph's done some wonderful teaching about that. We got to get ourselves out the way because if we don't get ourselves out the way, that is what ends up standing in um, in between us and destiny. Amen. Pride will stand in between us and destiny. Um, and so this morning we are moving out of the way. I know we sung that song. And so we're going to, we're going to not just sing it, but we're going to live it. We are going to move out of the way and let God have his way. Amen. And so this morning, as we begin to talk about the laws that govern harvest, I want to talk about the laws that govern harvest. Before we finish today, I'm going to give you nine laws, nine quick laws that govern harvest. Some of them you know, I'm sure, uh, but it never helps to be reminded of them. It never, uh, never hurts to, to put those in perspective. 
And so I'm going to start this one. I'm not going to recap everything I did all the other weeks, except to say this. Something supernatural happens when we give. Something supernatural happens when we give. I am telling you that when you begin to operate in alignment with God's system of giving, a ministry of giving. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. A ministry of giving. We all have been called to that ministry, the ministry of giving. And when you begin to operate in that ministry, something supernatural always happens. The last several weeks we've been talking about a particular scripture uh, that I want to start with this morning is Luke chapter 6 verse 38 from the Passion Translation. I've read it the last two weeks. I want to read it again because I think it sets up a great uh, foundation for us to understand this idea of being a cheerful giver uh, and how being a cheerful giver allows us to be in position uh, to be led by God in different areas so that we can ultimately have God's system cause us to prosper and increase. So let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. In the Passion Translation, it says this. It says, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Praise God. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Now, I just want you to just think about that scripture because many of the laws that govern harvest are found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. When we get to those, we'll come back and revisit this particular scripture uh, and you'll be able to see those as, as clear as day. Now, in one of Jesus's earliest teachings to all the people who were following him, Jesus paused and he took time to talk to them about the importance of the necessity of life. And one of the things that I think we do a disservice of is when we act like people don't need things. People need things. And Jesus knew we would need things. It's why he wasn't bothered by the idea uh, that we would need things. In fact, he says it like this. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these, what? Things will be added unto you. Jesus knew we had need of things. However, um, Jesus also knew that he didn't want us to be concerned or to be worried about things. See, Maslow, uh, the, the psychologist Maslow has this, this pyramid that's known as his hierarchy of needs. And at the base of that pyramid, uh, we find out that there are some, some basic needs that all humans need. Every human needs food, every human needs clothing, every human needs shelter. That's one of, one of Maslow's basic primary needs that humans have to have. Uh, in fact, in our primitive society, uh, people spent most of their time seeking out those three things. That's all they did. They just looked for food. They were hunter-gatherers. Uh, they looked for places to build shelter. Uh, they looked to, 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 to hunt animals, not just for food, but also for clothing. They spent the majority of their time looking for those three basic things. And the truth of the matter today is that although we think we have progressed beyond our primitive, our old primitive society, uh, we really spend a lot of our time doing the exact same thing. Well, you say, Pastor, I'm not a hunter. I'm not a gatherer. I don't, I don't have to get my, my, my clothes from animals. No, but we spend a lot of our time going to work. 
We spend a lot of our time thinking of ways to invest in, and to do things so we can get money. Why do we need money? Because we need food, we need clothing, and we need shelter. But here's one of the things that Jesus uh, began to talk to his followers about. He said to them, he said, I know that you have need of these things. He says, but I need you to have need of me more than you have need of the things. And so uh, we see Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and verse 26, when he's talking to them and he's, he says these words. He says, therefore, I tell you, he says, do not worry about your life. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink and don't even worry about what you're going to put on your body. He says, don't worry about what you're going to wear. He says, it, it, he, he then asked the question, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Now, when people, uh, when people read this scripture, sometimes they take this out of context and try to tell people that food, clothing, shelter, all of that stuff, uh, that's not of God. Uh, you know, in some, in some places they get to the extreme and they talk about taking these vows of poverty and all of these things. But this is not what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was trying to do was to re, um, redirect their attention. He was trying to redirect their attention because he says, if your attention is on food, if your attention is on clothing, if your attention is on shelter, if your attention is on all of these things, then your attention won't be in the place I need it to be, which is on me. And the reason I need your attention to be on me is because I am the provider of all things that you would ever need. Go ahead and say this in the comment section. Say, Jesus has everything I'll ever need. Jesus has everything I'll ever need. Listen, that's not some religious slogan. That's not some, uh, some, some Christian-y thing that we say. The fact of the matter is Jesus is the holder of all things that we need. He has a multitude of ways that he can get those needs to us. He has a multitude of ways in which he can uh, allow whatever we need to be granted to us. But at the end of the day, Jesus is the only source that we have that we can never exhaust. He is the only source that we have that we can never exhaust. See, Jesus didn't, didn't, didn't say, don't think about material things. He didn't say, uh, don't have knowledge of material things. What he said was, don't worry about them. In other words, don't have a preponderance of your time and energy focused on the things that you desire, yet redirect your attention on the one who can give you those things. And then understand that I have a system that if you participate in, all these things shall be added unto you. Well, what's the system? He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It is God's way of thinking. It is God's way of being. It is God's way of doing things. He says, so if you find out how the kingdom works, then no thing will be withheld from you. It's why we read over in Psalms when he says, uh, no good thing, watch this, will he withhold from who? From them that walk upright. What is walking upright? Being in alignment, watch this, and agreement with kingdom standards. If you are in alignment 
in agreement with kingdom standards, the Bible is clear that there is no good thing that shall be withheld from you. So anything that you need can be found in Jesus rather than searching for it in the world. Amen. It is not God's will or God's desire for his people to worry about money or to worry about having enough. Listen, I know that we are living in, a, in, a, in unprecedented times. We are living in times where, where millions of people have had to claim unemployment benefits because of a pandemic that's happening around the world, especially in America right now. I know that we are living in a time where we have leaders who we have elected to Congress uh, that are saying they're going to withdraw the extra benefit uh, that people were getting uh, or, or they're going to replace that benefit with something less than what people were getting uh, when they didn't have enough to begin with. I know we are living in unprecedented times where people are now without health care and without uh, insurance and unable to, to have certain surgeries because hospitals are over overrun with the number of people with COVID-19 related uh, sicknesses taking up ICUs and hospital beds. Listen, I know we are in this time, but guess what? I know someone who knew this was already going to take place. His name is Jesus. He already knew what was going to happen. He already knew what was coming down the pike. That's why he gave us instruction. It's why he continues to give us instruction to navigate out of those places. Jesus knows that we have needs. He knows we got to pay rent. He knows we got car notes. He knows he we, we got to do all the things for us, but he also has some things in the world he still wants to get done. Listen, God has not paused his plans because of COVID-19. Hear me. God has not paused his plan. He still got hospitals he want to build. He still got people he want to send to college. He still got debts he want to pay off. He still got blessings he wants to get to people in this earth. He did not pause his plans because of COVID-19. I'm telling you, God has an economic plan and an economic system that is vastly different than the world's blueprint. It is the reason that he wants us to operate according to kingdom standards so that we are not subsequently um, held to what is going on in the world system. He says, listen, there are two systems. It is my system. It is the world system. My system is fail proof. It's never been a recession. It's never been a downturn. It's, it's never been a, 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 a market dip. In my system, there is always more than enough. And he says, I'm trying to get my children to transition out of the world system and the world's way of doing things into my system and my way of doing things. And so everything we've been talking about these last five or six weeks has been designed around this idea that we are to be led by God, positioned by God, so we can be prospered by God. And the way we do it is understanding God's system for increase. Understand this. In the world, the world says we grab, we get, and we keep. We grab, we get, and we keep. But in God's system, it's the opposite of that. In God's system, he says we give, we bless, 
We reap and then give some more. God's system doesn't work off of hoarding. God's system works off of sowing. And for many people, they just haven't grasped the concept. And a lot of it is because they just don't trust God enough. My spiritual mother says it like this. They don't take God seriously. And if you don't take God seriously, when God asks you to do something that is beyond your own natural intellect, you will rebuff God and try to do it your way and wonder why you don't live the life that he's promised. Understand, it was God's desire to refocus the attention of his people away from money onto him. You say, well, Pastor Edwin, if we're supposed to have our attention off of money and on him, why are we talking about money? Well, the reason we talk about money in terms of giving is because it's important to you. Money's not important to God, but it is your most precious resource. And because it's your most precious resource, he asks you for what's most precious to you so that you can give it to him so that you place him above what you thought was most precious. Well, go ahead and put this in the comment section. Jesus is more valuable than anything else I have. Jesus is more valuable than anything else I have. You know, people say it like this all the time. He's more precious than silver and gold. Well, the truth of the matter is we like silver and we like gold and we like money, right? But if you lost all of that, but still had Jesus, you could get all of that and then some again. But if you lost Jesus, you are limited in the amount of silver and gold you could ever have. And so he wants to refocus our attention on him. Now, when I, when I say focus our attention on him, what he really wants to do is he wants our attention to be focused on his way of doing things. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people willing to follow after his instruction. Understand this. God has no shortage. God has no shortage of anything. He has no shortage of money. And I know I'm going to blow some of you away when I say this. He has no shortage of body parts. Somebody needs a liver. God has them. Somebody needs a pancreas. God has them. Somebody needs a leg. God has them. And I know that that, that stretches our thinking because we think, oh my goodness. But listen, there is no shortage in God. Whatever you need, God has it. I was reading a, a, a story the other day about a young girl in, in Africa, uh, and, the, and the girl had been blind since birth. She had never, ever, ever been able to see. She was born blind. I think the story says she was like nine or 10 years old and her mother took her to some big revival and they had been believing and believing and believing and believing for her to receive her sight. And in fact, the Bible, the, the, the story went on to say that she had went to several other places and they were believing and it didn't happen, but the mother didn't lose her faith. And at this particular revival or, or big prayer thing they were, they were attending, the, the, the story says that the girl received a healing and that the healing that she received when her eyes opened, they were blue. I mean, bright blue. I'm telling you, God gave, I believe God gave her bright blue eyes because there was no way that anybody in that region could ever assume that it was anybody but God who did that. I'm telling you, whatever you need this morning, you say, well, Pastor, I don't need new eyes. Great. I don't need new legs. Great. I don't need a new pancreas. Wonderful. I don't need a new heart. Okay. But whatever you need this morning, I need you to settle it for yourself that God has it.
God has it and he wants to give it to you. Why? Because he says no good thing will be withhold will be withhold from them that walk upright. God wants to bless you, but he needs you to follow his instructions. There is no shortage in God. As a result, he never needs our attention to be on things. God doesn't need our attention to be on the rent. He doesn't need our attention to be on the mortgage. He doesn't need our attention to be on how we're going to pay for school. He doesn't need our attention to be on, on anything. Listen, God, I, I know I say this all the time, but God taught me this so plainly in 2016 when he said, start the scholarship fund. He did not need my attention to be on the money. He needed my attention to be on him and be willing to obey. Listen, and since that time, since that time that we've done that in 2016, a simple act of obeying God has given one student her full $10,000 for school. It is currently supporting uh, eight other students and an additional two students with the James A. Young Scholarship. Listen, on August the 8th, we're going to present four more students with a $10,000 scholarship. Do you understand what God is doing? And then in the month of July, we, we've, we've already raised about 42,000 additional dollars. Why? Because we just keep the focus on Jesus. He says, hey, I want you to use the month of July as your fundraising month. Okay, God, that's what we'll do. Now, it was 12 other months or 11 other months, right? But he said July. So we didn't do it in June. We don't do it in August. We do it when the Lord says. Why? Because when you obey God, provision always shows up. So you don't have to be focused on the money. You just need to be focused on God. The money will follow. Amen. God has a system in place to bless his people that are obedient. God has principles and laws that will produce blessings if we consistently and confidently apply them to our lives. I want to say that again. God has principles and laws that will produce blessings if, 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 that's a conditional statement, if we consistently and confidently apply them to our lives. The Bible says in Matthew 6, I said it earlier, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to you. How do you get the things added to you? Because you go after to understand and to apply with consistency and with confidence all the principles and laws that God has given us. God has more than enough to accomplish his purposes and to meet our needs. Say that in the comment section. Say, God has more than enough to meet all of my needs. God has more than enough to meet all of my needs. Every one of your needs has the potential of being met by simple obedience. I know you think you need money to meet a need, but I'm telling you, you need obedience to meet a need. You, in fact, there's a scripture that says it like this. It says the blind have their sight given to them. It says the lame walk. It says the, the, the deaf hear, uh, the dumb speak. It says, but the poor, watch this, the poor has the gospel preached to them. And I used to always wonder why uh, he gave all those other people seemingly what they need. He gave people who couldn't see the sight. He gave people who couldn't hear the ability to hear. He gave people who couldn't speak the ability to speak. But when it came to the poor, he didn't give them money. I said, why didn't he give the poor money? It would have made sense to give the poor money. Poor people need money. He says, no, 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 no. 
Poor people need the gospel preached to them. Why? Because the gospel has the ability to produce everything you need. If you're poor in spirit, the gospel's there. If you're poor in the area of joy, the gospel will give you joy. If you're poor in your finances, the gospel will give you access to resources beyond anything you could think or dream. Amen? So this morning, what I want to do is I want to take a look at some of these laws and principles which govern the law of the harvest. Understand this, when a farmer plants a seed, he does so with a high degree of expectation that it will bear fruit according to its own kind. This is so critical. Every farmer knows that when he goes to the seed place, that when he goes to the co-op, he is looking to grab seed that represents what he wants to have in the end. So as a farmer, farmers have a high degree of expectancy that if they purchase um, cauliflower seed, that when they plant it, they're going to get cauliflower. They have a high degree of certainty. The reason they can they can base that on that is because the Bible establishes this in the book of Genesis. It says everything or every seed reproduces after its own kind. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. You can look in the life of, you can look in a natural sense and see this. Uh, a lot of my kids look like me. They look like me, boys and girls. They look like me. Why? Because they're after my kind. The one who doesn't favor me as much favors his mother a lot. Why? Because we got together and had children because he is after her kind. See, it, it, it's, it's the reason why we have a lot of certainty that when, uh, when, 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 when a golden retriever and a poodle come together and have a baby, we have a high degree of expectation of what that dog's going to look like. It's going to be a mix between the retriever and the poodle. Uh, they're known as golden doodles, right? Well, the same ought to be true for us. When we mix with Christ, it ought to look like us, but it ought, ought, in the natural sense, but it ought to be some super on top of it. Because we're mixing with Christ, who is super. So it ought to be some supernatural stuff going on with us. So when we begin to align with, with, with Christ, when we begin to do things the way God would instruct us to do it, it looks natural to everybody else, but the results become supernatural. Why? Because we've mixed with something better than what we are. Amen? And so farmers have this high degree of certainty. In the natural, the law of harvest is the foundational principle that governs farming. All agriculture works off the law of harvest. The law of harvest, though, is also the foundational principle for the spiritual life as well. Naturally, spiritually, and financially speaking, we always reap what we sow. We always reap what we sow. Uh, the Bible is clear about it. Uh, it, it even warns us to not be deceived in thinking that somehow we can sow one thing and get another. It says, do not be deceived. That's not how it works. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, the apostle Paul details for us the law of the harvest. We've read this particular uh, scripture the last several weeks. We'll revisit it again because I just like it so much. Uh, but it literally explains why our relationship with the Lord is tied to our offerings to the Lord. 
See, our relationship with God, uh, whether you want to admit it or not, uh, you can look and see uh, the quality of our trust in relationship by how we obey God. How we obey God tells us everything we need to know about that relationship. Because if we obey, if we love God and trust God, we will be obeying him. If we're not obeying him, even though we say we love and trust him, the reality is that we don't. So let's take a look real quick at the law of the harvest in light of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. I love this out of the Amplified. And then we're probably going to read a couple more verses this week. We had in the last couple of weeks, but there's some things I want to show you before we get into our laws. It says, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, why does he sow generously? That blessings may come to someone will also reap proportionately, generously with blessings. Why? Because everything reproduces after its own kind. Even your motives. That's why we talked the last couple of weeks that you got to give with the right motive and the right intent. Because however you, whatever your motive and intent is, that's what you're going to harvest. See, people hear harvest and they just think positivity. But you can also harvest some mess. If you plant mess seed, you'll end up harvesting mess. And so he says, be careful how you give. Make sure your heart's right. Make sure that your intent is right. Because however you put it in the ground, that's how it's going to come back to you. Verse seven says, now let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his own heart. Now, when, it, when, when, when you read that, that doesn't mean you just decide, oh, well, I don't feel like giving much. So this is what I'm going to give. No, when he says you've purposed in your heart and you've made up in your mind what to give, he's assuming that you as a believer are hearing from God. That when God tells you what to give, when God tells you who to give, when he tells you when to give, he says, when you hear it, you purpose in your heart to do it. Why do you purpose in your heart to do it? Because there are going to be things coming against you that's going to try to talk you out of obeying God. Why? Because the Bible says it like this. We have an adversary, the devil, who wants us to disobey God. He wants to pull us away, and he knows obedience is the thing that pulls us close. And so what happens is, is that uh, he, we, we get, a, we get a, a word from God, and immediately, that's why you have to, you have to act quick, the Bible says the enemy comes to steal away the word that you have heard. So verse 18 goes on to say, it says, God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. Verse, verse 18 says, and God is now able, watch this, to make all grace, all grace. What's all grace? Every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. So that you may always, and under all circumstances, in whatever the need, be self-sufficient, praise God, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Here's what the system does. God says, I'm going to give to you so that you have something to give when I ask you to give it. And then when you obey me and give it, I'm going to use it as a blessing to bless somebody else. And I'm going to give you back more than what you had so that the next time I ask you to give, you will have more to give. It becomes a cycle of perpetual increase. 
He gives to me so that I can give so he can give more to me. But the focus is always on him. The focus is always on him. The Bible says it like this uh, in verse nine. It says, as the scripture said, they shall freely and it says they, sh they share freely and they give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. It says, for God is the one who, watch this, who provides seed for the farmer. Now, you're the farmer in this case. It says, God gives you the seed so that you can go plant it. And while your seed's in the ground, he's also giving you bread to eat. Now, now that's just a good God. He says, I give you seed to sow. And because I know there is seed, time, and then harvest, he says, I give you bread to eat while your seed is germinating. He says, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources. Watch this. And on top of that, then he will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. He says, to, he literally says that when you become a giver, because remember, he is unwilling to do without a quick prompt to do giver whose heart is in his giving. He says, when you become that person, he says, I continue to give you seed to sow, but I give you bread to eat while you're working. He says, and then I'm also the one who will increase your resources and then cause the harvest that you're looking for to be produced in abundance. God is a great God. Not only is he a giver of seed, he is the giver of the bread I need to eat. So how can I think that when he asks me to give, he's trying to take something from me. He literally says, I'm the one who gives you the seed to sow. And I'm also the one who gives you the bread to eat. He says, I am the one who withholds no good thing from you as long as you are following these instructions. The kingdom has been set up and designed for you to always win and increase. Understand this. In verse, in verse 11, he goes on to say this. He says, yes. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Somebody needs to put that in the comment section. Say, I am blessed so that I can always be generous. <clears throat> Excuse me. I am blessed so that I can always be generous. That's just good. <clears throat> he blesses me. Not, see, people, he don't bless you so you can stun on folks. I know that's what some people want to do. They want to make a come up. And they want to stunt on people who didn't believe in them. And they want to stunt on folk who talked about them. And I get that. That's the flesh part of us. He says, but understand, my purpose for causing you to increase is so that you can always be generous every time I ask you to be. Every time I ask you to be generous, I want you to have the ability to do it. He said, that's the reason I want to bless you. That's the reason I want to increase you. Why? Because when I say to you, hey, Amber, I want you to be generous. You are able to say, okay, God, I can be generous because I've already got more than enough. God wants you to have more than enough. Why? Because he knows that if you have more than enough and you follow kingdom instruction, that when he needs to get something to somebody else, you can be his hands in the earth. Glory to God. I want to be God's hands in the earth. Go ahead and put that in the comment section. Say, I choose to be God's hands in the earth. I choose it. I choose to be God's hands in the earth. It goes on to say in verse 12, it says, so two good things 
will result from this ministry of giving. Now, remember, I said that earlier that we talk about having a ministry. People want to have a ministry. They want to have a, 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 a helps ministry. They want to have a, a healing ministry. They want to have a, a, a prophetic ministry. He says, listen, everybody should be participating in this ministry. What ministry is this? Verse 12 says in this ministry of giving. He says, when you participate in the ministry of giving, two things happen. He said, the needs of believers, in this case, he says, the needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met. But in, in our context, uh, when you are a giver, then two things happen. What's the first thing? Others, people's needs get met. When you are a giver, you help God meet the needs of other people. You partner with God. It says, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So two things happen when you decide to be a giver. Number one, people get blessed. Number two, people give praise to God. That is the reason that God asked you to partner with him so that other people's needs can be met and then they become thankful for, to God. Why? Because when they become thankful to God, then they in turn become givers. And when they become givers, then those same two things get met again. Other people's needs get met and then those people begin to be thankful to God. I'm telling you, you are a catalyst for causing great joy to spread around the world when you become a giver. You got to see yourself that you're not just you're not just giving somebody $10. You're not just making a $100 contribution to a scholarship fund. No, you are causing the kingdom to be expanded. Amen. Verse 13 says as a result of your ministry. What ministry? Wait a minute, pastor. What ministry? I'm not called a ministry. Yes, you are. The ministry of giving. He says in verse th verse 13 as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. You want to prove your obedience to Christ? Respond when he tells you to give. You want people to respond when you are in need, right? Become a person who no longer has a need, but you can still respond quickly. And then verse 14 says, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. It says, thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Understand, when you become a giver, you begin to move heaven and earth. Why? Because you begin to partner with God and supernatural things begin to happen. There are four things that we can pull out of all of that scripture, right? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15, that's a lot. But there are four things we can pull out. Here are the four things we can pull out. It shows us some things about God. Number one, it shows us God's purpose. You may have an abundance for every good deed. God has a purpose for us being givers. What is God's purpose for us being givers? So that we will have abundance for every charitable work he calls us to. The other thing is that we, it shows God's ownership. God owns everything. God owns everything. Everything belongs to him. And, there, and because he owns everything, there's no shortage in him. The other thing it shows us is it shows us God's nature. Uh, God, it says God is, able, God is able to make all grace. Well, what does all mean? It means everything. All grace. 
All grace is able to abound. So it shows us God's nature. It shows us God's purpose. It shows us that God has ownership of everything. And then the fourth thing it does is it shows, uh, it, it talks about, it shows us God's people. Uh, it shows us why believers must give to reflect the characteristics of God. Understand this. God's the biggest giver there ever, there ever was. You and I are born again based on a gift that God gave. God gave his best. So anything he asked us for, anything he asked us for pales in comparison to what he's already given us. Go ahead and put this in the comment section. Say, I've already received God's best. I've already received God's best. I got God's best gift the first time. So when God asked me to give, guess what? I mimic it. I give my best gift when? The first time. I give my best gift the first time. I don't have to have the Lord ask me 10 times to give $100 because I keep giving 10 each time. When he asked me to give it, I just give my best gift the first time. Amen. Praise God. So I want to get into uh, the, these laws real quick. Uh, I've I got just a little time and, and before we're done, I want to get into these laws real quick. Uh, last week we read a couple of scriptures. I just repeat them real quick. Uh, the Bible teaches us through scripture that there's a tremendous power in giving. We read, we read Joshua one and eight last week, which said this, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. We also read Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 in the Amplified. It says that we are to honor the Lord with all of our capital and sufficiency from our righteous labors. In other words, we honor God with everything we get that we, that we earn when we earn it righteously. Uh, we don't, you know, we, we don't participate in illegal things, but all of our righteous gain, we honor God with that. And with the first fruit of all of our income. He says, if we do that, then our storage places shall be filled. It says, and we shall have plenty and our vat shall overflow. And we said last week that that storage place represents our checkbook, our 401k, our savings, our investments, all of those places God wants to house wealth and increase for us. And then Colossians 3, uh, 23 and 24, we read where it said, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily. As, the, as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. We say it like this all the time. Whatever you do, do it like you're doing it for God. So when you give, give like you're literally giving it to God because that's what you're doing. In fact, the, the, the Passion Translation says it like this. It says, put your heart and soul into every activity that you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. So when I give, I'm not giving to the scholarship fund just to help kids go to college. That, that's what it does. But when I give, I'm giving like I'm giving it to the Lord. Why? Because it says, put your heart and your soul into every activity that you do as though you are doing it for the Lord. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me parenthetically insert this. For some of you, if you start to do that on your job, you'll get a promotion. You'll get an increase 
Don't just go to work and barely do what you need to do in order to get a check. If you prayed and asked God for that job and now you got that job, show up at that job and work with a spirit of excellence like you are like like you are literally doing it for God himself. Why? Because he is the one who blessed you with the job that you asked for. So now step up and do what you're supposed to do and honor God by working and serving and doing what you're supposed to do, just like you were doing it for him and not merely for others. Verse 24 says, for we know that we will receive a reward, an inheritance, a paycheck, a payback from the Lord as we serve the Lord Yahweh, who is the anointed one. Amen. And so remember that when you do in your giving, when you give, give like you're giving to God himself. Amen. And so let's take a look uh, at, at these laws real quick. I want to take a look at these laws. I've got nine of them here. And I think what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to give you the, the nine uh, and maybe we'll come back and look at them a little more in depth uh, next week uh, if, if, if that opportunity presents itself. So let's just take a moment and, and talk about this, because when we when we think about this analogy of sowing, right, we think about this analogy of sowing and reaping from the text of Second Corinthians nine. There are really nine principles that I think we can glean from this. There are nine principles that we can glean from this. Here's the first one. Number one, okay, let's get these nine principles down. Let's let's solidify them and let's 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 let them make sense to us. Number one, everything starts with the seed. Everything, everything starts with the seed. Any listen, the, the clothes you got on, the house you're sitting in, the, the car you drive, the food you eat, the way it's prepared, somebody had to have a thought seed in order for that thing to come to fruition. Okay, everything begins with the seed. When we think about sowing and reaping reference in 2 Corinthians 9, it points back to an illusion that Solomon talked about in Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. And it reflects Jesus's teaching that we can find in Matthew 7, Mark 4, and Luke 6. Don't worry about those today. We'll come back and talk about those later. Just know that this idea of sowing and reaping has been around for a long time. This idea of sowing and reaping was talked about uh, in Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, right? It said that, 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 that every uh, seed reproduces after its own kind. So in other words, we know that everything begins with the seed. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, do not be deceived, do not be deluded, do not be misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at. He won't allow himself to be scorned or disdained or mocked by mere pretensions or professions or by his precepts being set aside. It says he inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatsoever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. The short version says it like this. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall also reap. But I like this version because it says this. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. You don't trick God by trying to sow something that God didn't tell you to sow and thinking you're going to get something else. God says, you don't delude me. You don't trick me. You trick yourself. 
When I ask you to get up and pray for seven days at 6 a.m. And, and you feel like you can do it for four of those days and that's good enough. He says, you're not deceiving me. You're not fooling me. You're not tricking me. You're tricking yourself. You're deluding yourself that thinking that you can get out of four days what I only promised out of seven. See, that same thing is true where your giving is concerned. You don't, you don't, you don't get to hear a word from God about, about giving and then decide that because you're uncomfortable with giving, that then you can give something else and then expect to receive only what he promised when you gave what he told you to give. We got way too many Christians in the body of Christ who think that being partially obedient to God is good enough. And I'm telling you that it's not. And you think you're getting away with it because you haven't experienced calamity yet. You think you're getting away with it because you haven't had any major consequences. But I'm telling you, it is the goodness of God that is rescuing you. It is the goodness of God that is keeping you. It is the goodness of God that is saving you from the consequences of your rebellious actions. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying you to say you can make the decision today not to live that way. And praise God, he kept you. God is a keeper. But how long are you going to want to live off of these promises of him keeping you when you keep disobeying him? That's all I'm saying. I ain't preaching fire and brimstone to you. I'm preaching, I'm preaching grace to you. It's grace that you ain't been consumed. It's grace you ain't lost your marriage. It's grace you ain't lost your job. It's grace you ain't in jail. It's grace you ain't lost your mind. It's grace you ain't in the state hospital. God's keeping you even through all of your disobedience. Even through all of your disobedience, he's keeping you. Why? Because he understands your humanity, but your humanity can't be your excuse forever. Amen, somebody. And so everything, everything starts with a seed. Sowing and reaping is also a way of referring to supernatural action. We talked about that earlier. We are natural people. So when we do things, we do it out of our natural sense. But when we obey God in doing it, when we, uh, when we honor God when we do it, we get his super mixed with our natural. So our actions seem like a natural action, but our harvest becomes supernatural. Isn't God wonderful that he allow us to put something natural into his system and it returns back to us. It doesn't return back to us the way that we gave it. It returns back to us supernaturally, which gets us to point number two. Point number two is nothing happens until a seed is planted. Listen, you can have good intentions all day. I remember one time the Lord asked me years ago to sow something and what he asked me to sow at that time was bigger than anything I had ever sown. And I came up with every reason why I couldn't have done that because I had all these other things to do. And what I told God is I would take the money out of my bank account and I took the money out of my bank account and I put it in my dresser drawer. And I said, at least I ain't got the money in my account, so I'll spend it. And God said to me, he said, think about how it would be if a farmer went to the feed store and he bought seed. And instead of putting the seed in the place where it's supposed to be to grow, which is the soil, he put it on his shelf. He said, even though he got seed, it won't produce anything. And so I'm telling some of you, you got good intentions about giving. 
The Lord has spoken to you time and time again about giving to different endeavors, the scholarship fund to somebody, uh, to bless somebody, to honor somebody. And you heard the Lord when he said do it, but you didn't respond quickly. And then the enemy came and, and, and gave you all these reasons why you shouldn't do it. And you keep thinking that somehow you're going to get a harvest because you thought about doing it. You don't get a harvest of thought about seed. Seed has to be planted. The place where seed is designed to bear fruit and spring forth is the place where God told you to plant it. So if God told you to give $10 to your coworker, but you take the $10 and you give it in your kid's piggy bank, that's not where that $10 was supposed to be sold. And so because that's not where it's supposed to be sold, you can't expect to get a harvest off of that. And I really don't understand why people don't understand how clear that is. And I realize I, I don't understand it now because he gave me revelation on it. Because I used to be that way. But once he gave me the revelation that nothing happens until a seed is planted, it, 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 I can't wait to sow my seed now. I can't wait to give. I can't wait for opportunities to bless people. Why? Because the moment that seed gets in the ground becomes the opportunity for to begin to germinate. See, the same thing is true for our lives, right? In the parable of the sower, the Bible says the seed is the word of God. It says the sower sows the word and our hearts are like the soil. However, in this analogy we're talking about today, the seed is our obedience. When you obey God, that is the seed. And it's a natural thing for you to obey God, but the harvest that comes back to you becomes a supernatural harvest, a supernatural harvest. Intending to give will not result in a harvest of blessing. Actual giving is needed in order to read. So go ahead and type this in the comment section while I restart IG. Just say this. Say, I must plant my seed if I expect a harvest. I must plant my seed if I expect a harvest. It's just got to be that way. If I'm going to expect a harvest, I got to be willing to plant the seed. If I don't plant the seed, then there's just no way I'm going to get that harvest. Amen. And I want the harvest. I don't know about you. I want the harvest. Praise God. I want the harvest to come back into my life. And so I don't give because of that. I give because I know that it does two things. Remember, we talked about our giving. Our giving does two things. Number one, it blesses people. And number two, it causes them to give thanks to God. IG, I hope you guys are back now. We, we haven't moved on. I, I, I stayed right there on point number two. Point number two is that nothing happens until the seed is planted. So now let's talk about principle number three. These are these nine principles of harvest. Remember, number one, everything starts with the seed. Number two, nothing happens until the seed is planted. Let's go to number three. Number three, whatever I sow, praise God, is what I reap. We've been talking about this. You knew this was going to be a principle. We've been talking about this. Whatever I sow is what I reap. We know it is a natural thing that if we sow an apple seed, we are not going to get a cherry tree. The only way to get a cherry tree is to, is to sow cherry seeds. However, if we sow a pumpkin seed, we have a grand expectation that we are going to receive a pumpkin when it's harvest time. The question for you is, what have you been sowing? What have you been sowing? Because if you've been sowing doubt and unbelief, you cannot be surprised when you reap that as a harvest. 
It, you know, if you sow disobedience to God, why in the world do you think your kids won't be disobedient? See, one of the things I'm guaranteed of is no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to always have a place to stay. I'm going to always have a place. It's, listen to me. Hear me. Somebody is always going to be willing to take me in. Why? Because my wife and I have sown that. We have sown people living with us. We have sown keeping people in their places out of our own pockets. We've done it through our church. We've done it by, by collectively getting people together. I am always going to have a place to stay because I have sown people having places to stay. You know what else? I'm going to always have something to eat. And I'm going to say, like, I'm going to always have something to eat. I'm going to always have something to eat. Why? Because I've always made sure people had something to eat. I've always made sure when we went to dinner, I picked up the tab for people. I always made sure if people didn't have, that they were included in the group. And so because I've sown it, I have an expectation that I can harvest it. Some people wonder why nobody ever, people say things like, well, nobody ever comes and buys my groceries in the grocery store. Nobody ever comes to the gas station and pumps gas for me. I don't ever get anybody to just sell $50 to me. Ask yourself, have you done it for somebody else? Have you done it first? See, in the world, we get, then give. In the kingdom, we give, then we get. You, you living in the kingdom, you're supposed to be a kingdom citizen, but you still got a worldly mentality. And because you got a worldly mentality, you keep waiting for somebody to give you something prior to you giving. And it just doesn't work that way in the kingdom. And I need you to know it. I owe it to you to tell it to you as your pastor. You can get mad or not, but I owe it to you to let you know if you want great things like that to happen to you, you ought to sow those. Literally. I, I had a guy in the grocery store. I was trying to pick up some stuff when the kids first came back home uh, uh, for, 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 for the COVID thing. And we had all the kids in the house. Tay was bad. I went to the store, had a basket full of stuff. Uh, you know, just, just going to buy some food. Cause I know we, we going to eat at the house and a man started talking to me and I, he was asking, you know, how things were going. And I was talking about how my kids were home. I had to go to Atlanta and get my boys and all this stuff. And listen, he went through the line before me. When I got ready to go to the line, the lady went through and added everything up. And she said, okay. She said, uh, she said, it's already been taken care of. I said, wait, what, what, what do you mean? It's been taken care of. She said, the guy up front, uh, told me to take care of it. Now, now, why did he do that? I didn't need him to do that. Why did he do it? Because it was harvest time. I had clearly done it for other people before. And so it was harvest time. And so you know what I did? The next time I went to the grocery store, I found two people who was in line and I paid for theirs. Why? Because I'm a firm believer that it is a cycle that once you start giving and you start harvesting, you don't eat your seed. You always break off enough. You always make sure that you have enough to continue the cycle. Amen. Praise God. Number three, whatever I sow is what I reap. So if I want money, I need to sow money. I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you like that. You want an increase in your finances, you need to be giving your resources. Don't be up talking about nowhere. I'm just going to go and, and volunteer at the church. You're going to get a whole lot of people volunteering for you, but that ain't going to necessarily be what you need. Everything reproduces after its own kind. I'm telling you what I know now. I ain't telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. You always reap what you sow. 
The Bible says this because God made a promise to us about this principle, then we can, we can rest assured. We can put all of our weight on Numbers 23 and 19. Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not a man. He is not a human being that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. God does not speak this truth. It says, does God speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He, he answers the question. He says, no, God always makes good on his promise. Somebody go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, God always makes good on his promises. God always makes good on his promises. Some of y'all ought to get your heart ready right now to sow. I'm telling you, that is a word for you. God always makes good on his promises. God has been speaking to some of you about sowing, some of you about sowing into this ministry, some of you about sowing into the scholarship fund. You've been seeing it flying around on Facebook ever since July 1. You keep saying, I'm going to give, I need to give. I don't know if I can give this week. You need to obey God because God always makes good on his promises. He's prompting you to give because he wants to get that cycle of giving and receiving started in your life. Number four, the fourth principle about the law of harvest is I'm not the only sower. You need to know this. I'm not the only sower. Why is this important? That sounds kind of vague, but let me help you. I'm not the only sower. The Bible is clear that there are principles in harvest that are involved, that there are times I receive where I didn't sow. I receive where I did not even sow. In life and in spiritual matters, everyone sows. However, sometimes we can reap what others have sown. Jesus reminded us of this when he was speaking to his disciples in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, verse 35 and verse 38, here's what he says. He says, do you not say there are four months and then comes the harvest? He says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look onto the fields. He says, they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal. It says, so that he who sows, watch this, and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One person sows but another person reaps. He says, I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored for it, but you have entered into their labor. The law of harvest says that we sow because our sowing sometimes allows other people to reap where they haven't sown. But don't get discouraged. It also means that other people People who are obedient to God, people who going on before you, our praying grandmothers and grandfathers and mothers and fathers and aunties and uncles and cousins, those who have been praying for us, we get to reap where we didn't sow. So in the kingdom, there are times that God asks us to sow and it's not for us, but it's so that others can benefit from it. Praise God, we get to harvest sometimes in places where we didn't even, well, we didn't even sow. 
But we need to sow because sometimes our sowing is how we harvest. And sometimes his, his grace in other people's sowing is how we harvest. And so we don't want to be cheated out of the harvest. So we don't want to cheat other people out of the harvest. Amen. So rule number four or principle number four, I'm not the only sower. Other people are sowers. And as a result, I get to benefit from their sowing. Amen. All right. Number five. Principle number five. I love this. Now, five, six, and seven is where I get a little excited, so I'm going to try to calm myself down. Number five, I always reap in a different season than the one in which I sowed. I always reap. Always. I always reap. Always reap in a different season than the one in which I sowed. Now, let me help you because people say, well, wait a minute. I thought you said, Pastor, there was going to come a time well, we were going to be sowing and reaping at the same time. We are. If you're consistent in your sowing, because you don't ever reap in the same season that you sow. It is the reason that people who don't understand this think that God is a genie. They think they can be, they think they can have a need. And then because they have a need, they ain't, they ain't tithe, they ain't sowed, they ain't did nothing for months. Calamity shows up. And now all of a sudden they want to be a giver. Now all of a sudden they want to sow seed. Now all of a sudden they want to sow to this person. They want to sow to this person. They want to give a first fruit. They want to give a tithe. They want to give an offering. That's great. And it works. But it doesn't work in the same season. And so you're, you're giving God something today because you want something tomorrow. But the key to always having is to give in every season. Understand something. Let me help you. A, 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 a farmer has to be patient when they sow. There is not a farmer with any experience in the world who tells you that he can sow a seed on Monday and then Monday afternoon reap a harvest. It just doesn't happen that way. In order for a farmer to have food in every season, he has to discern the times of sowing. It's, it's like this. If, if, if you need... Um, let me say it like this. In the Bible, when you read the Bible about, about the, 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 the early rains and the latter rains, okay? Those are not just words. The, the, the early rain and the latter rain were two rains that the farmer depended upon. He depended upon it. Because why? He needed the early rains to make the ground moist so they could till the ground. So that the seed could be planted. So it could be planted deep in that rain that came. It was the moisture. And, and, and then as it began to grow, he depended on the latter rain because the latter rain is the, is the rain that, that continued to feed the crops before it was harvest time. Understand, the farmer had no control over the, over the early rain or the latter rain. All he could do was depend on God. But the thing that was in his control was the planting of the seed. He couldn't control the earlier rain. He couldn't control the latter rain. He was 100% dependent up on God for sending the rain. But what he did have control over was the planting of the seed. And I'm telling you today, you may not have control over all of the circumstances that's going to come in the next 12 months. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of this year or what's going to happen into 2021 with our economy. What you do control is the planting of your seed. 
What you do have control over is the planting of your seed. Understand, if you want to plant seed for the winter, you don't wait for the winter time to plant the seed. If you want to have seed for summer, you don't wait until it's summertime to plant the seed. If you want to be prepared for football season, for the actual season, you don't get prepared during the season. You get prepared in something they call the off-season. That's why off-season is so important. In fact, most people will tell you that off-season is more important than the season itself because whatever you do in the off-season is going to either guarantee your success or for failure during the season. Things are going good for a lot of us right now because it's harvest time for us. I'm saying to you, don't let it be harvest time and you just sitting there eating all your seed. What are you planting? What are you preparing for? I'm preparing for 2021 already. I'm making, I'm making sure that I got seed in the ground. I'm making sure that, that I've got seed so that whatever comes my way in this next season, I'm going to already have. The Bible makes a promise. It says that if we are consistent in our giving, there is going to come a time where, where our harvest and our sowing are going to be overtaking us. Why? Because we're going to be planting in the summer, but we're going to be receiving harvest from last winter. We're going to be planting in the winter and receiving harvest from, from the summer. And then it's going to get so good that the harvest is going to be so big, they're going to start to intertwine with one another. That our sowing and our harvest will become so secular that we are never, ever without. We are never in a shortage. Amen? Understand this. I always reap in a different season than when I sow. Number six which is one of my favorite laws. Number six, this principle says, I always reap more than I sow. I always reap more than I sow. You can see this in nature. You can see it in nature. You can see it. You plant a, a kernel of corn and that kernel of corn produces an ear of corn. On that ear of corn, there are hundreds, if not thousands maybe, of other kernels of corn. You can then take each one of those kernels from that one ear of corn, plant each one of them individually, and each one of them will produce another ear of corn. You begin to see God's system of multiplication grow exponentially when you decide to align yourself with the kingdom of God. We always reap more than we sow. We never reap less. It's always more. We never reap less. It's always more. And that is the reason that you got to be careful about what you're sowing, because you always reap more, nevertheless. So you sow discontent. You ain't going to reap just a little discontent. You, 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 sow, you sow grudges. You ain't going to receive just a grudge from one person. You're going to receive grudges from lots of people. Harvest, write this, harvest works both ways. Harvest works both ways. It's not just good stuff. It's whatever you sow. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Harvest works both ways. It works both ways. Don't deceive yourself. You out here thinking God's going to do all this wonderful stuff to you, but you sowing disobedience. You, 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 you being reckless with your words. That stuff comes back. 
That's the reason people laugh sometimes. But if Pastor Sean and I catch ourselves saying something we shouldn't say, we decree and declare a crop failure. We don't want that. If our flesh gets into us and we say something, that, you know, uh, you know, we, this just ain't going to work out. No, we repent quickly. We, we, we repent of that. We call a crop failure. In fact, some of y'all need to call a crop failure this morning. You need to call a crop failure to your disobedience, to everything that God has been telling you to do that you haven't been doing. You need to call a crop failure for trying to decide that you don't believe what the word says, that when God says something is wrong, you call it right. You need to call a crop failure for that. Why? Because you can't, you don't want that stuff to come back as a harvest on you. Amen. So I always reap more than I sow. Number seven. I can increase my harvest by planting more seed. I control my harvest, praise God, at least the planting of the seed. I need God to, to intervene because he, he is the earlier and the latter rain. But I can increase my harvest by planting more seed. Remember, your harvest is not just for your personal use, though. It is for the cause of Christ. And so your heart and your motive have to be right. Why do I want to increase? I want to increase because I love being God's answer in the earth. I love when God says, I, I, I love it when someone calls and says, hey, uh, I have a need. Can the church help me out? I go, church ain't got to help you out. Me and Pastor Sean, we got it. We'll do it. Why? Because it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to give. And I know I have it to give only because God gave it to me. And so giving is joyous for me. I have fallen in love with giving. Ooh, somebody make that declaration. Say, I have fallen in love with giving. I have fallen in love with giving. And listen, if, if this word is blessing you, you ought to, you ought to bless the fact that you're receiving this word, you want to sow into this ministry. I believe today is a day that God is speaking to some of you. He's been saying it for weeks and you've been waiting, waiting, and waiting. But now is your time to receive this revelation. I can increase my harvest by increasing my seed. I can go beyond my comfort zone. I don't have to just give what I'm comfortable. If the Lord tells me to give more, I can step out in faith. Why? Because God's never going to let us be ashamed. It ain't, ain't that what he said over there in Romans 10 and 11? Romans 10 and 11, he says, Who, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So, so, so principle number seven is I can increase my harvest by planting more seed. Number eight, number eight. Our eight principle says this. It's time to start planting now. That's what I just told you. I believe for some of you, it's time to start planting. You've been thinking about it. You've been hearing about it. You've been believing it. You've been thinking it'll work. You hadn't been sure. You're never going to know what seeds sitting on your dresser. You're never going to know what seeds sitting on your dresser. If you want to be a person who increases in the kingdom and who allows the kingdom to increase, you got to be a person willing to step out on faith. Today is your day. Today is the day. Today, this is your, we call that our church, we call it a providential moment. It's a moment that you make a decision that can change the trajectory of the rest of your life. Today is your day. It is time to start planting now. Understand this. We talk about giving in certain seasons, right? Well, in the natural, we understand that the time to plant depends on the nature of the seed, right? If you want to plant winter grass, Winter grass doesn't germinate in the summer. It's too hot. If you want to plant summer grass, you can't plant it in the wintertime because it's too cold. 
So the principle of understanding when to sow is true in the natural, but it's also true in the kingdom. But here's what you need to understand about the kingdom. When it comes to giving to the Lord's work, it's always the season to sow. It is always the season. It's always the season to give. Why? We read in Luke chapter four, verse 17 and 19, where Jesus begins to say, now is the acceptable year of the Lord. Now is the acceptable time for us to get into alignment and agreement with the kingdom of God and become givers so that we increase, so that we can be God's hands and feet in his handiwork in the earth. Amen. Listen, our last one, principle number nine. Principle number nine is something that people just got to get. And here's what it says. It says to reap the harvest, I must be patient and not give up. If I'm going to reap a harvest, I've got to learn patience. You do not reap in the same season that you sow. You got to be patient. Do not get frustrated with God. Do not get angry with God. Do not doubt God. I am telling you, harvest time is here. Now, for some of you, your harvest may take a little more time because you ain't been planting nothing. But you got to be patient just like everybody else was patient. It is seed, time, harvest. Seed, time, harvest. And then once you become consistent, it becomes seed time, harvest. Seed time, harvest. There's no gap in between there because now you're harvesting of what you sowed before while you're still harvesting. Amen. Patience, endurance, and perseverance are all fruit of the spirit and you need them all to get a harvest. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 36, for you have need of endurance or you have need of patience so that when you have done the will of God, when you have done, come on somebody, when you have done the will of God, you may receive what has been promised. You can't receive what's been promised if you ain't done the will of God yet. God's telling you to be a giver and you ain't gave yet. God's telling you to be a prayer and you won't pray yet. God's telling you to be a person who, 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 who goes outside of your comfort zone and you stay tucked in your comfort zone. You ain't done the will of God yet. But you're wondering why you hadn't received the promise. He says you have need of patience. Why? Because once you do the will of God, you need to endure whatever is necessary for this thing to grow up so it can be what you called it to be. Amen. You have need of patience or endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what has been promised. Listen, I'm done for today. Pastor Sean, I believe, is going to come. I'm going to end with my favorite scripture. My favorite scripture is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I hope you've been reading Psalms 25, 1 through 5 this week. Uh, it's the, the scripture Pastor Cynthia gave us when her and Pastor Sean did their conversations via Zoom on her on her, on her Mindset Monday. Well, maybe it wasn't Mindset Monday. Maybe it was just the time that they got together and did it. Um, but I hope you've been reading it. But if you haven't, you should read it. Uh, I think Ralph or somebody has that. You can put it up, Psalms 25, 1 through 5. But I'm going to finish with my favorite scripture. My favorite scripture is Philippians 4, 6 through 7 out of the New Living Translation. It sums up what everybody should be doing. Here's what it says. It says, don't you worry about anything. It says, instead, just pray about everything. 
It says, then tell God what you need, praise God, and then thank him for all that he has done. That's verse six. It says, don't you worry. Remember we started off talking about, he says, I, you don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about what you put on. He says, don't you worry about anything. He said, instead, pray about everything. Why? Because whatever you pray about, that's what God will give you the answer for. He says, so don't, don't, don't worry about anything. He says, but pray about everything. He says, then tell God what you need. He says, and then thank him for everything that he's done. And then verse seven says, and then you will experience God's peace. Then you will experience God's shalom. Then you will experience nothing missing, nothing broken. Then you will experience his grace which exceeds anything that we can think or understand. It says his peace then, watch this, his shalom, his nothing missing, his nothing broken. It will guard our hearts, praise God, and our minds while we are enduring until the thing we prayed for comes to pass. Glory to God. Amen. Listen, I'm telling you, if, if, if you will understand this, if you will dig into this, what I taught today is not exhaustive. It's just the tip of the iceberg. I encourage you to go back, read 2 Corinthians 9, 6 just read 2 Corinthians 9. Read all of it. It's so good. It lines out for you these nine principles of the harvest. You understand? I'm telling you, you cannot reap if you don't sow. You will not reap in the same season. And you do get to control your harvest by how you give. And you always reap more than what you've sown. I am telling you, those are principles that you need to grab hold to. You don't need to let them go. And today, you need to make the decision. That before you do anything else, and I don't usually say this, but anything else before you get off this live, once you get off, the next thing you need to do, if you haven't done it, you need to sell. And they'll tell you how to do that. Pastor Sean's going to come. She's going to talk to you. She's going to pray. But they've got a tag at the bottom down there. Listen, if this bless you, I'm not even asking you to sow into my life today. What I'm asking you to do is if this bless you, sow into the ministry. So into the ministry. We got some people who are who are who are who, who we are helping in the next week or so that they've told us about. They need some things uh, because they've been out of work and some different things are happening. We know that that, that six hundred dollars is going to go away for some people, and we are going to be a blessing to them, and they are going to thank God for it. Those are the two things that happens when we give. So God bless you all. Uh, I don't know if I'll see you next week. It may be Pastor Sean. You'll be here. I don't know. It may be Pastor Sean. Praise God. Oh, he'll uh, be here. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, he'll be here. We'll see what the Lord says. Amen. God bless you. He spoke. He'll be here. Amen. Praise God. What a great, great teaching. What a great, great teaching. Listen, don't let Pastor Elm play with y'all. He going to be back next week. He need to finish walking through those steps. You know, he's trying to be slick, but it's not my time yet. It's his season and his time. Amen. So this week, I want you reminding your pastor that you expect to see him back on Sunday morning, uh, ready to finish teaching you and dig in those steps. I, it's our opportunity to give. It's your opportunity for prosperity. And I, I was thinking that this is such an important subject, guys, for us to understand because God wants us to be able to live through whatever is coming. Seed time is designed. The reason we don't harvest in the same system that we see is that seed harvest is for the future, right? So the things, this increase, many people have talked to me and they're really feeling an impression to sow like they've never sown before. That gives us indication that something is happening and God wants to prepare us 
for the future. Amen. So you need to be obedient in your sowing. So as they put up the information for how you can sow, I want to give you the announcements. I'm going to end with two um, just testimonies, kind of principles, things that I want to share. Number one, you can join me tomorrow for Mindset Monday, Mindset Monday. I'm actually going to be doing um, a continuation of this teaching right here because I believe that the Lord is really pressing us in this season to sow because he wants us to be preserved. In famine, God always asks for seed. Why? Because seed keeps you from going under in the midst of famine. So then on Tuesday night, we do prayer right here at 8 p.m. Central. Listen, something supernatural happens when we pray. And one of the things that we are praying is that your seed will produce harvest, that the enemy will not be able to steal anything from you, that you will have everything you need in abundance to do the work of the ministry. Amen. And then on Wednesday night, we have refreshed Bible study with Pastor Ralph Marlowe. And I really want to shout him out. Man, he has been doing a phenomenal teaching. And I want to encourage you guys to mark your calendars. He comes on Wednesday night at 8 30 p.m. to come to church. I'm going to keep pressing this. We're 19 weeks away from being able to gather corporately. And I want to encourage you not to disconnect, not to disconnect from the word, not to disconnect from prayer, and not to disconnect from your community, not to disconnect from your community. That's so super important. And then on Sunday morning, it's Kristen Valley, Pastor Kristen Valley, who is leading us in worship. And I want to encourage you to really, really make sure you're getting up for worship because it prepares our hearts. It gives us on the right focus and the right perspective. Listen, I was thinking about something Pastor Edwin said when he was talking about how the man paid for his groceries. And then the next time he went to the grocery store, he paid for two people's groceries. And I want to point this out because I think that this is a part of giving that people miss. Many times you get a heart. Let, let's say you sow a seed. God tells you to sow a seed, buy some groceries, buy somebody coffee, whatever. And then you see harvest come back for that. You should turn around and do that again. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss is that they want to be blessed off of what they do one time as opposed to what they do consistently. Notice when he said, when he talked about how we're always going to have a place to live, we didn't let somebody spend the night with us two nights. We created that harvest by a seed time of opening our home up to people. So we continuously, consistently sold opening up our home. And so then as a result, we didn't just buy lunch one time. And one of the things I really want us to get out of, and then I'm going to close with this right here. As long as we have a scarcity poverty mentality, we judge blessing by what someone gives to us. But we are blessed to be a blessing. And when we fall in love with giving, I love when he said that when we fall in love with giving, God, make me the man. There's somebody you want to bless. There's a ministry you want to impact. There's a family that has need of. Like, listen, I was on Facebook the other day and this lady that I know who her daughter and Canaan dance together, she said, listen, I'm getting together food for families that have been impacted by COVID. Um, can somebody help? Oh yes, let me sow into that. Let me, let me be a blessing. I think that we want to get to the point that we are operating from a scarcity mentality that we're like, oh, if I give to this and I give to that and I give to that, I'm not going to have anything. No, if I give to advance the kingdom, I will always have, he will make a way. And I really do believe that even though many of us may not have ever seen our grandmothers, grandfathers, great grandmothers and grandfathers really step into abundance, 
that the reason that they always had a consistent supply, the reason that they came to know that the Lord would make a way somehow is that even when they didn't have a two pieces of chicken, they was willing to split them for the whole community. And I believe that God wants us to be able to take that harvest and the, the, the seeds they have sown and step into a place of harvest to do even more in this season. And so we bless you. We honor you. We thank you for sowing. You can text to give. You can give. You can give through um, um, Giveify, Totherly, or Pushpay. And listen, um, we just want to be a blessing to people. We want you to have a harvest that goes exceedingly abundantly above. But listen, Pastor Emma said you can't dupe yourself. You get harvest not based on the seed that's on your dresser, not based on the money that's still in your bank account. You get harvest because you put it in the ground. So be a sower this week. I, here's my challenge to you. I want you to ask God to show you people to bless this week. And then I want you to do it. And then I want you to share it with me so I can pray for your harvest. All right. We love you so much. We're praying for you. We believe for increase in your life. Now, listen, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal savior, we want you to do that. The best gift you can ever receive is not anything material. It's the Lord Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for your sins. If you have not accepted Jesus as your personal savior, you can send us a message. But let's just pray the prayer just in case there's somebody out there and they're like, I want to give my life to Jesus. What does it mean to give my life to Jesus? It means that one, I want to acknowledge, I am acknowledging that I need a savior. I am acknowledging that I cannot be good enough to pay for my sins. I am acknowledging that I believe that God sent Jesus for the uh, for the remission of my sins and that as I accept him I am born again some of you may want to rededicate so we may just want to pray this for everybody but you know go ahead and just pray this prayer it's a simple prayer to give your life to the Lord it says believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Lord you shall be saved so father we come to you acknowledging that we are in need of a savior and Jesus is that savior we thank you that you provided the sacrifice for our sins when we never, ever, ever could have paid for our own sin. There is no work that we could have done that could have paid for our sin. And so we ask right now for Jesus to come and do something in our lives, to come and fill our heart, to come and transform us, to come and give us the new birth experience, making us new creatures. And then Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and teach us how to live this life you have called us to. We ask you to come and teach us how to walk in all truth and victory so that the name of God is glorified. And if you just prayed that prayer in Jesus name, amen, guess what? You are saved. And if you were in a backslidden state and you just prayed that prayer, guess what? You just came back home. And if you're like me, you just love the salvation prayer. So anytime somebody prays that you like me too, I want to pray it again because salvation is so good. All right. We love you. Have a great week. See you for Mindset Monday. We'll see you on Tuesday night. We'll see you on Wednesday and we'll see you back here Sunday. Stay connected. Keep giving. Keep confessing. Keep living right. Everybody say that as we walk close out. Say live right, saint. Live right. I want to remind you to live right. Live righteously. Live holy. Live before the Lord. Amen. All right. Be blessed. Have a great week. And when you bless somebody this week, be sure to send me the message because I want to be agreeing with you for your harvest. We love you so much. God bless you. Do it.